Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WinDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WinDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WinDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of WinDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation, we are back. And we are heading to Mexico. What a field we have. We have the Masters champion. And I don't know if I know anyone else that's in the field. That's about <laughs> what we got. So it's going to be fun. For this event, we did have to call in the big guns. We have a very special guest with us tonight. If you bet on golf at all, you've heard of him. Rob Bolton, thanks for joining. How are you doing tonight? Hey, thanks for the introduction. I'm excellent. Um, I'm delighted that the work I do matters enough for you guys to extend the invitation. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Well, we are thrilled to have you. You definitely have your work cut out for you tonight because, like I said, after John Rahm, we're grasping at straws <laughs> this week for who we're going to be drafting in our lineups. See ya. How you doing tonight? I'm really good. I I'm so excited that Rob's on the show. I mean, this is one of those things where Rob, I don't know if you appreciate it, whether, whether you're a gambler or DFS player or just a general golf lover, I don't know that you truly appreciate how when you tweet something out, everybody clicks on it right away. Everybody clicks on it right away. And it's just, it's just really cool that like you're that guy and now you're on our show. So we really appreciate, appreciate you Thanks, taking uh, a little bit of time with us. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited, Joel, about the Mexico Open. Um, I'm excited about all these golf tournaments, to be honest with you. But this one in particular is just really interesting because – We've got the John Rom factor and everybody else. And it's just really interesting from a DFS standpoint, you know, how many people are going to build with John Rom and without John Rom? And based on ownership, it looks like maybe it's going to be like a 50-50 proposition. I'm just really curious as to how the lineups shake out the John not the John Rom ones versus the non-John Rom ones. That's the question that's begging all of us. And you know, the twelve thousand dollar price tag, I think, is super interesting in this field, especially, but we'll get into it. Spence, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. It's an honor to have Rob on on this show. The one thing I do want to say before we get started is, Joel, you can say that we're grasping at straws for this tournament. I guess that's why you rigged the draft order to take the number one pick so you can select John Rom. So I am filing a complaint. I, I don't I don't understand what's going on right now. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. You know, who's the best coach in the NFL? Bill Belichick, known cheater. <laughs> I'm just I'm just going after him. I'll cheat if I have to, if it means I'm going to win. And I'm not ashamed to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, if that's the first step, is at least if you admit it, I guess I have more respect for it. <laughs> Starting to wonder what I signed up for. Uh -oh. <laughs> Rob, you have your right. hands full tonight. That is for sure. Um, we're going to get into the draft. But before we do, uh, Spence, let's dive right into it. I love to see or hear what you're looking for this week at the course. Now, I was going to try and pronounce it, but I'm not going to embarrass myself because with Rob's on and all his followers, <laughs> too many people to embarrass. So I'm just going to let you go ahead and, and tell us what you're looking for. 
Well, I will shorten it to Vedanta uh, to make it so I can pronounce it also. But we have Vedanta at 7,000, a little over 7,400 yards, par 71. We have Paspalum Greens. Second year that this course has been played, I, I think if you look at the inaugural iteration of it on tour last season, it played very prototypical to what you would expect of this course when you look at it. You have wide open fairways, virtually no rough. It sort of turns it into this bomber's paradise. However, the one answer that I want to give to that that makes it more than some driver-heavy course is that there, there are a couple of things there. So the first answer comes down to that sticky paspalum grass that we talked about. So that's going to remove rollout from the equation. I think that when you look at the expected driving distance, we still see a 13-yard increase over expectation. With that, with that being said, that grass type, when you mix that with being on sea level – it's going to only further enhance that notion that you better be comfortable with the driver in your hand. The second thing I'm going to say to that is we got an astronomical 42.3% of second shots from beyond 200 yards last year. That was a total that placed 19.4% above PGA tour average in expected influence there. So like to me, it's one of those venues where you're going to want to try to find a golfer that has the driver who has the long iron proximity and, that's essentially the John Rom game, which is what makes this tricky. It's not just that he's the best player, arguably, in the world. It's a really good course fit for him at the end of the day. So, um, you know, if you can find those other golfers that fit that skill set, I think that's a really long, good way to go with it. But, I mean, kind of you said it best, Joel. Like, I think any tournament there's going to be give and take with where the value is at the end of the day. Like, just because we only have a reduced leaderboard of names that are going to pop up and Rom is the big name and you have Finau and then it kind of gets worse after that. I don't want to say that you like somebody's going to have to produce and find a top 10. So if we can find those names like that long iron proximity, that distance, that's kind of what I'm looking for at the end of the day. There you have it. In DFS, what we're doing here, it's not about finding just the winner. It's got six guys. So how you can do that with balance or with getting Rom in, it's, it's your top six for scoring purposes. So there is definitely some strategy that goes into it. And like I said before, pricing ROM at 12K does make this more interesting. Actually, they probably could have gone 12.5 and it would have been perfectly fair, but we'll dive into it. I'm going to pull the draft board up now for anyone who might be joining us tonight new to the draft cast. The way it works is we do a snake draft, just like your fantasy football draft. I'm going to go first, Rob second, Spencer third, Sia is drafting with the audience per usual. You guys will have two picks in a row. So when it's your turn to pick, audience, put your nominations in the chat, and then Sia will make the selection. Then we'll go back through the snake. The caveat here to stay, to keep in mind is you do have to stay within the DraftKings salary cap. So you obviously can't just take Finau, Rom, and all the best players. You have to make sure you draft a team that you can actually afford in a DraftKings lineup. Any questions? Or should we dive right in? Joel, Just you can take dive John right Rahman. You stole in. the first pick. Yeah. I did steal the first pick. Um, and I'm going to have a bit of a surprise pick here. And by surprise, I'm not surprised at all. I'm going to take John Rom for sure. Um, <laughs> listen, I, what do I need to say? He just won the Masters. Like Spencer said, he's the best player in the world. And the best player in the world in a field that is, you know, a JV field. Um, it's a great course fit. And even in, like, the strategy for this, especially with four teams, is this is where he makes the most sense. Like, in a small tournament in a cash game, it's hard to imagine Rom 
falling out of the top 10. So you're going to at least get those points from him, even if he doesn't win the, the whole tournament, which I, pro- I think he probably will. Um, so for, for the purposes of a four-man, the safest pick, the highest upside, I'm happy to take the 12K and uh, make the rest of my salary work elsewhere. Yeah, and this will be interesting to see how you play out the rest of your team because when I put John Rahm in my lineup initially, I, I believe that, okay, we, we see how much it leaves you, 7,600. But I, I had made a lineup with John Rahm and like one 9K guy, and it left me literally with like 7,000 flat or 7,075. So it is hard to make lineups with John Rahm, and that's a good thing, right? We want it to be hard if you're going to take clearly the best player. Now, Rob, this it, it, it's your turn. This is the first PGA draft cast you've been on. You get to pick anybody in this tournament other than that person being named John Rahm. Who's it going to be? Yeah. Uh, second overall pick, you always take the best player. I totally understand everything we're talking about. I, I love all of the supportive evidence for John Rahm in this event. Uh, if there's anyone watching and listening that still isn't convinced, I want to play in your league. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's the best. You'll figure it out uh, when it comes to the rest of these guys. Uh, especially since it's so top heavy, uh, it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, I'm, I, honestly, I think it's a bit of a curse uh, to go second because Fino's sitting there. I'd probably prefer not to have the option to have either of those guys, but uh, got to stay true to the board at this moment and rely on some of my experience and acumen for the rest of this lineup. We'll see what happens. Go ahead and put me down for Fino. Yeah, Finau, a very interesting pick at, at 10-7. Certainly makes sense to take him second off the board. Spencer, let me kick it to you before we get to your pick. How are you feeling about Finau? In terms of your model, is he rating out like he should be as this sort of second, second highest priced golfer? Yeah, I, I think that when you look at pricing and, and we look at this board in general, like I kind of been a big advocate on this show over the past, I don't know, let's call it the past two months that – the results that we're getting from Finau are probably worse than the statistics that he's putting together. I think he's still sitting on a victory at some point. This might be the perfect tournament for him to do that. And, you know, you were kind of mentioning it, it earlier, Sia, where you're going to have about half the people that are going to go with John Rahm, and then you're going to have this equal split from there of Finau's and Wyndham Clark's and Gary Woodland's and all those players. And, um, I do think there's a difference when we look at Finau to that next group. Like it's tier one is John Rahm by himself. Tier two to me would be Finau by himself. And then you kind of have a lumped up group beneath that, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. I guess the, the only argument really against Finau and Rahm, other than it's hard, it's, you know, it's harder to build lineups in theory uh, with either of these guys, is that they, they do carry the, the two highest ownerships. I mean, obviously Rahm's going to be the highest by a lot. And Finau... Uh, honestly, might end up only being half of what Rom is, but still, just something to note that they're going to be. You know, I, I'm guessing Finau will finish between 25 and 30 percent, and Rom staggeringly, you know, 45 to, to 55 percent. I mean, that's that's what this is looking like. So, just a very interesting. You, you don't find tournaments like this. I mean, even with Xander and Cantley last week, they weren't. They're not going to have the ownership that that John Rom is going to have this week. They were really high, but they're not going to have the ownership that John Rom is going to have. So it's, I just think it's really interesting. Uh, Spencer, it's your pick. What do you got? So I do think that like, forget ownership for a second, the audience and I are probably at a disadvantage. I, I do think being able to start with Rom or Finau would be the optimal way to go here. Um, I mean, you can see when I put it in the pick, I mean, it's bright red on Joel's pick there with the cheating factor with it. So <laughs> uh, I, 
I've said enough and I've said my piece with that, but I guess I will keep this just kind of as if you want to call it like a fantasy football draft with this, that we're, we seem to be going in order of the players um, that we like this week. So I'm going to say Wyndham Clark is the third best golfer in this field. We see that with the odds right now. Don't love the ownership. I think you could make an argument that he ends up being the second highest owned player on the board, but I'm kind of in this spot right now where if I don't take Wyndham Clark, I'm not going to love the, the way that this roster comes together. And there's a couple things about Clark that I think are really worth noting this week. So the first thing, there's a lot of sites out there that I respect that believe Wyndham Clark is a top 25 golfer in the world. I know that's not going to be what you see when you look at the official world golf rankings, but essentially it comes down to you have the distance from him, you have the putting, and now in 2023, He's added this ability to gain strokes with his approach shots. And David has been a real big advocate of that every single week on this show. And my model as these weeks are going on keeps catching up to that factor. And, you know, like one of the big things I ran is I looked at distance. I looked at weighted proximity from over 200 yards. I merged those two factors together to try to get an answer. Like to me, that ends up making Clark one of the three or four best names on the board. So I'll go with Wyndham Clark. Uh, I'll keep it very chalk to begin this, but um, I do think that there's a skill gap from these next couple names down beneath. So I'm going to just make sure I lock in one of them. Yeah, I, I don't I don't hate that pick. Um, I've been on Wyndham Clark for quite some time, and it truly has paid off. Before we get to the audience picks, and they have, they have been so kind as to already nominate and ratify a pick. So before I even get to that, Rob, your thoughts on Wyndham Clark? I mean, we've seen an emergence from him as of late, particularly with the approach game. I mean, if we, if we track him from like last year and, and, and before then it was really like, he's an off the tee guy and, you know, he can be pretty good for the short game, but now it's, it's the off the tee game. That's actually like falling off quite a bit, but we know he's still strong there. The approach game looks revamped, completely dialed in. And then of course he has the short game to back all of that up. Um, your thoughts on Rob Bolton. Is he potentially a top 25 golfer in the world? And do you like him in this tournament? I think everybody at this level has the potential for that. Uh, whether they can sustain it is the question. And he has to continue to prove it. He's obviously had a nice run here of late. Um, is that a bubble? Probably not. Uh, is it sustainable? Depends. Uh, I, I love the pick. I mean, we've gone one, two, three in my power rankings already for this draft. So, uh, you know, chalkity chalk. Uh, so that makes sense, especially uh, in this event and the, with, 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 with the way you guys have laid it out in terms of how – there's these two and then there's everyone else in a sense, but uh, he deserves it. Uh, and in an event like this, um, he he should be able to continue to showcase. So I have all the confidence in the world. I was kind of hoping, I was kind of looking at him as the number two pick because my confidence is that high, but, but we've seen other guys revamp their games when they've been deficient in a specific skill set, like Clark has been on approach. But as you said, see, I mean, he's really improved and he hasn't, necessarily had to lose anything in terms of value distance off the tee because he's still long enough you know he's still he's still able to to hit the shorter irons compared to his competition and he's older he's wiser um he's set for his card there's there's no worries about that so now the focus is singular to to go chase that victory so i just like the the overall trajectory over time uh and it's just a matter of when he's going to win not if yeah totally fair uh we have two guys for team audience and it's Nikolai Hoygaard and Patrick Rogers. Uh, two, in my opinion, like really good course fits here. I, I don't know that Hoygaard's going to make it in my pool, but he probably should. L love the driving distance and the off-the-tee stuff we see from him. 
Rodgers, I think, might be on this upward trajectory that we haven't necessarily seen the apex of. The last two tournaments, I believe Valero and RBC, he's been a monster with the ball striking. And uh, the short game is obviously pretty decent for him as well. Joel, I want to kick it to you. These two guys, are they in your player pool or no? They're not, but they are a very interesting pairing for your first two picks because someone who's playing Rom just really can't play them, right? You can't really afford Rom and yeah. both of them. So if the, if one of them wins the tournament and another one gets you a top five, that's going to be a better than having Rom, right? So now they obviously have to beat Rom, which is a, is a tall order, but in a, in a big tournament like we're playing here, it is a nice way to get there. So it's a really good point because in that 9K range, I see Wyndham Clark. He might be the only guy that's going to end up over 15%. Again, we get our final ownership from Stephen Pilardi tomorrow on Windaily Sports, of course. Um, he'll post it on our Discord and I'll post it on the site. But what's really interesting about what you just said is you're right. It's really hard to build a lineup with John Rahm and let's say a high to mid 9K guy. It just, it just really is. So a lot of these guys like Rogers, like Hoygaard, and like, for example, I mean, I'm not going to play Taylor Pendrith, Ben on, for example, like those are all going to be guys under 15%. So just something to consider uh, there in terms of how you build your lineup. Spencer, it's on you. You started with Wyndham Clark. I don't think you feel super good about it because Joel stole the number one overall pick, but it's still a good pick. Is your second going, is your second pick going to be as good though? I mean, Joel did two things here. So let's just call him out for it. First, he steals John Ron. Then he gives Rob the second pick, which I get Rob's the guest of the show. That's fine. But I mean, there's a lot of calls being made here from Joel where this was not advised by a run by anybody else. So uh, yes, I kind of agree with you. See, it's put me in a precarious spot to begin with here. It's not necessarily the way I would have wanted to start this, but I'm going to go to a golfer in the $8,000 range who's going to be popular. So I now have two very popular names to start this. I think I can get different in other spots, but it's one of the safer golfers that I have in my model from any of these price points. And really when I run the price in my model versus the safety that I have, he's one of the best values on the board. So I'm going to take Steven Yeager at 8,200. One of the things I really like about him is he's ninth in my model in weighted scoring. So what that means is when I reprojected these numbers for Vedanta here, he was a top 10 golfer in expectation to score on those holes. So um, I think he's a really good value at the price. I, I believe the ownership makes a lot of sense for why people want to go down that direction. But uh, this makes a really nice flat build for me to be able to maneuver through now. And just to be clear, that was Steven Yeager, right? Is that what you said? Yes. yes. Uh, Rob, your thoughts on Steven Yeager. He was a guy that really popped up on a lot of the metrics that, that I was looking at as well. And, and that should be no surprise. I mean, he's been playing really well. But I looked at weighted off the tee last 24 rounds. He popped there, um, weighted T to green. He popped there. Um, driving distance isn't too bad either. How are you feeling about Steven Yeager, Rob? Well, before he withdrew early from Corrales and Valera, I felt great. He was one of my sleepers just prior to that. Uh, so I was I was right on board. But then those couple of early withdrawals were worth were worth some concern. I don't know why. Uh, these guys, he likes to stay busy. Uh, perhaps you guys can illuminate, uh, illuminate me on that. And Spencer, if there is any intel on that, I'd be curious how that influenced your decision. Well, I mean, I don't think it's a great thing when he plays the RBC Heritage and then he misses the cut after all of that. But I, I don't necessarily, I think like one of the things that happens there, Rob, at least when I look at this, we get a reduction now in pricing for that reason of what's happened this past month. Like, I think if he was a golfer that was having that run that he had to start the season, 
I think he's very easily in the $9,000 range. So to me, it felt like a mispricing where I'm willing to bet on what I believe his upside can be versus some of the negative traits that you just mentioned. Okay. Yeah, you got to at some point, right? That's how it works. Uh, uh, I am not as bold. I am on the record uh, all the time for being a very conservative owner with what I do. Uh, so if, if somebody coughs, I, I start to worry. Um, I think there's a responsibility in what I do for a living as the profession to put myself out there in that in that regard. And then, you you know, anybody who wants to listen or not listen can go from there with that particular uh, position or stance that I take on that. Uh, so I am still jury's still out for me for Jaeger, despite the great fit on paper. I'm waiting to see him actually put four rounds together on his own ball uh, and, and improve that he deserves it uh, in terms of an overall second pick in a draft draft like this. I personally, I mean, he wouldn't have been there third, fourth round, I'm sure. But um, for, for somebody to go to go that high for me, I guess I'm tipping my hand a little bit in terms of how the rest of my draft's going to go, guys. But uh, that's fine too because it's all for the for the for the education of people people watching and and uh, and listening tonight. Um, but uh, for me, if if uh, I guess I'm up next here, I, I'm mm -hmm. taking a similar uh, path in terms of the fit for the course. Uh, and, and, and based on a lot on Spencer, how you laid it out in terms of, of how distance off the team matters so much in this place. Uh, Joseph Bramblett is sitting there at uh, 7,800. Go ahead and uh, put him on my roster for the week, please. Uh, long hitter. He's having a terrific season. Uh, anybody who's not familiar with the stories in his mid thirties, it took him forever to get healthy. Saw so many doctors and now he's healthy. He's having a terrific season. Uh, and the fit is tremendous and he's really balanced throughout his bag. So uh, because I went open with Finau, a similar skill set, albeit at a higher level, of course, than Bramlett, there, he's, Bramlett's in that same sort of lane. So I need, to, uh, I need to dial down the pricing a little bit so I can balance out the rest of this team. Really, really, I, I like that pick. Um, I'll tell you, uh, I, I think a lot of us on this show are, are Joseph Bramlett guys, and I'm, I'm sure he would have. I see David saying um, the team audience would have taken him next if he was still mm. on the board. I can tell you, I did a show earlier today with uh, Patrick McDonald at amateur status, and he is all over Joseph Bramlett this week. So a uh, good endorsement there from him. But uh, I like that play, Joel. I'm going to kick it to you. I know you have back-to-back -back picks in a second, but Joseph Bramlett in or out in, in terms of your player pool? In. I like him. Spencer? Yeah, I, I really like Joseph Bramlett. Like, I'm going to extend that answer a little bit. Um, I think he also makes sense as an outright wager. He's probably one of the better mm -hmm. values on the board there. And then if you just look at that distance and proximity that we keep mentioning, he's fourth for me in this tournament when I combine those two things together. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Bramlett is a, a really good value considering uh, this field that we have at the, the Mexico Open. Joel, you, guys are off, you guys are awfully kind to the guests tonight. Appreciate it. <laughs> well just just wait just wait uh, <laughs> uh joel you've got john rom in the bag but you're gonna have to save some money somewhere i don't know if you're doing it with your next two picks but who's coming next on team joel so i put a lot of thought into how i wanted to kind of form this team following rom and the thought process is, you know you can go with one more stud and then really dive low with four more guys or i can try and balance out the rest maybe try and go low eights seven k's and really not dip too far down so I'm going to stick with that approach. I'm going to try and stay in a kind of balanced as much as I can with Rom. So with my next two picks, um, it's actually the best two guys I'm, I'm planning to take at the highest price. I'm going to go with Robbie Shelton and Matt Wallace. 
Uh, I think both guys, you know, should be a good course fit. The ball striking is there. Um, they they've been trending in the right direction more or less in the last you know month or two. And to get them both, you know, yes, they're 8K, but the very bottom of the 8K range allows me to still have a lot of flexibility to build with the rest of this roster. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of the Robbie Shelton play. I hadn't really looked at Matt Wallace, but I, but I think I probably should have. Um, Rob, l- let me go to you. Either of these two guys on your radar this week? Uh, yes, uh, Wallace is in my power rankings uh, at nine. Shelton, I happen to own him in a full season league, full disclosure. So I'm more invested emotionally in his ups and downs than uh, than I am in Wallace. So I've been watching what Shelton's been up to. And he's obviously had a terrific season. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, you, you got to make smart picks with where you are, Joel. And, and those are a couple of smart picks. I think most of all with Wallace that he's already won abroad. and just won on the Patriot Tour, remains busy, not worried about him. Um, you know, he's been in, he's been here and done this before abroad. So this isn't new territory for him. Uh, and then he just, he's the most recent winner on Paspalum. That doesn't hurt either. Yeah. And by the way, you mentioned your power rankings, just so everybody knows two things. If you're in the, if you're in the, um, in the audience here, hit the like button. If you haven't already, maybe retweet the show, um, like all of us did, but, uh, Rob, where can people find your work? I think most people know, to be honest with you, because most people follow you on Twitter, but just in case we have a straggler in here that doesn't know where to find your work. Can you let us know? Yeah. Thanks for asking. So I've, I've been in the seat as the current golf bet insider fantasy analyst at pjtour.com for this is my 14th year. Uh, the website and the app have recently uh, been overhauled, uh, and they're terrific. Uh, people are, are are very happy with them. With my work specifically, depending on the, the time of the week, uh, it, some of it will appear on the main page, uh, but you can find all of it on the Golf Bet page. Uh, so it's at pjtour.com forward slash golf bet. And then uh, it's all, it all you know trickles in there uh, chronologically, and, and there's some special pages in there. But if you ever have trouble, I'm on Twitter. Uh, uh, at, at, at Rob Bolton Golf, all O's, and uh, and uh, I tweet all of it. You know, promotion pro, promote it there. Uh, and if you can't find it, just ask me, and I'll I'll, I'll send you the link. Fantastic. Sometimes things right, are Rob. hard to find, as you guys know. Well, uh, let's see if we're going to be nice or mean. You've got Tony Finau, <laughs> you got Joseph Bramlett. Who's next on Team yeah. Rob Bolton? Yeah, I was actually staring at Matt Wallace when Joel took him. So uh, bravo. Um, I'm going to stay in that range. Obviously, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, you know, middle of the pack here for, for another two or three, potentially all four of my remaining selections. Um, but David Lipsky also is in the power rankings. He's a bit of a reach for me in this format, but at 7,600, he makes sense. So it's a smart pick given uh, this or this uh, situation. Uh, T6 last year uh, light, light, lit the place on fire with his irons. Uh, granted it's a year ago, I get it, but he's comfortable here. He's coming off a decent finish, uh, with a little more mojo coming off, uh, coming off New Orleans. Uh, so for me, I'm keeping it simple, you know, look, well, I, I like to dive into the numbers and the numbers are important and, and they do definitely direct me into certain decisions. But when it comes to more of the macro in terms of what I want to do to accomplish to beat you guys at this thing, I'm going to stick with uh, the smart pick, the smart value, and then uh, figure it out from there. So Lipsky's my guy. Yeah, David Lipsky really. Go ahead and hit me. <laughs> he's sneaky. He, he like you know he's not a guy that I have in my player pool. I was actually just kind of looking up where his ownership is, 
And as I scan, it's it's low. So, I mean, I, I think he's a really sneaky play. It looks like he's going to be 6% or lower. He's such an up-and-down player, Rob, that I don't think people have faith mm-hmm. in him, which, by the way, makes him a great DFS play. Absolutely. Is there anything in particular other than, you know, his his performance last year that you think is going to apply here? Again, he, he was all but perfect with his irons uh, at Vedanta. And, and yeah, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to this. If, if you're not going to own Rom, then you're going to need guys like this to win your game this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Lipsky, he'll either crash or, 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 he'll, uh, he'll, or he'll succeed. But he gives you that sharp angle that you need, especially with a positive experience. So that's enough yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, Spencer, Wyndham Clark, Steven Jaegerbaum, what's next? I, I think I might have a problem at this point, guys, with doing this every single week. So I'm going to take a golfer that has missed four of the last seven cuts. Um, yes. I, would you guys like to guess who it is? Well, can you give us like maybe a range? It is in, let's say it's between 78 to 88. Uh, without looking at history, I'm just going to go uh, Lee Hodges. Joel, do you have a guess? Four of his last eight. Seven, uh, I think. But Alex Smalley? Alex Smalley, every, <laughs> Jason Day. I mean, I, I would pick Jason Day. But if um, I think with Smalley here... There's a couple things. So obviously, if you look at what he did at this tournament last year, sixth place finish, that's kind of increased the ownership marginally in this spot. I know the form doesn't look the way that you would want it to entering this event for a golfer that's going to be over 10% owned, but eighth in my model and weighted tee to green, that's something that just continues to pop for me. And it's like, I know it's two completely different golfers that I'm talking about here. When we when we speak of Tony Finau, and I say that the numbers aren't exactly equating to what he should be doing from a finishing position standpoint, well, it's Tony Finau. He's a top 10, 15 golfer in the world. When I say that about Alex Smalley, there's more volatility there at the end of the day, but I really like Smalley. I think he's a golfer at some point that is going to win very soon. I think when we look at a ball striking standpoint, he really stands out. I kind of always make the argument that when you give these golfers that are like these subpar putters, just a different surface that they don't get every single week that, and I, and I also think that this green set in general kind of just neutralizes putting a little bit here. And I'm going to take a shot on what Smalley has from an upside perspective, because regardless of what we said about Jaeger and injuries, I kind of tend to think that he is relatively safe this week for this tournament in this field. Um, the volatility that I can take on with Alex Smalley here gives me top 10 equity and does it in a way where, yeah, the floor is going to be a little bit lower. Yeah. Smalley's one of those guys, especially recently that's rated out really well in my model. And he's just kind of one of those hit or miss guys. I do think he has plenty of upside. So I get that part. And I certainly don't think he's going to have high ownership. So that's going to help uh, the argument as well. So I don't mind that pick Uh, Joel real quick. Smalley, in or out of your pool? Out. Out. Yeah, I think he's going to be out of mine too. Rob, uh, if you had a pool, would Smalley be in or out of it? <laughs> yeah, I own him also in my, in my season long. I love the guy. I don't love the value. Um, so in that sense, I'll love him even more in our format. If that makes sense. All right, absolutely. A sharper angle, yeah. So it looks like the audience has two players that they have already 
picked. One of them is a surprise to me, Vincent Norman. Uh, and the other one looks like it's Bo Hostler, who's been looking pretty good lately. I mean, if you look at the metrics, they're a little shaky, but I like what I've seen from him, particularly off the tee. He's got a little bit more length than I thought. We know he can get hot with the putter, and I thought his ball striking in general, especially last week, was, was really, really good. Vincent Norman, more of a mystery to me uh, at the 7,200 range. I think I personally might have gone a different direction. I'm not saying I hate it. Um, Spencer, talk to me about Vincent Norman. So I, I preface this by saying I don't have enough data in my model to feel super confident with this answer I'm about to give. And it's very similar to the answer that I gave about Alex Norin at the Masters to where I think the ceiling is really high and the floor is going to be low. I see 10% ownership. You could say that's maybe too much volatility to be taking on with this pick, but I really, really like him from a statistical perspective. I, I, I always keep going back to this distance plus long iron proximity range that I ran, but eighth in my model there, he's inside the top 25 overall from my, my stats that I ran. You have positive equity when you run this for upside. You have that negative trajectory when you run it for safety, but I don't know. There's there's a handful of ways to play him. Whether that's a top 20 wager, we're obviously talking about DFS here. I have not removed him from my player pool. I'm probably going to play him this week just because I, I think the upside here is, I guess it's not that quiet if it's 10%, but I'm going to say it's like quietly larger than some people think it is. Yeah, I, I will say this too. I mean, I, I do think it does look like the upside is there with him. And at 7,200 in this field, it's really it's really hard to find anybody who's got some decent finishing positions with the requisite upside. So um, I absolutely understand the pick from, from that standpoint. So Spencer, uh, let's go to you. You've got Wyndham Clark. You've got Steven Yeager, Alex Smalley. Who's next? I, so the pick was going to be Norman for me. So oh. the audience stole that one. Nice. Um, I'm going to go with MJ Duffy at $8,000. And he's another golfer that... Like, I don't know what the upside actually is, but I kind of give a similar answer that I just talked about with Jaeger, where I think the safety here is better than the perception around him. Uh, four straight finishes inside the top 29. He's inside the top 10 for me in my model when we look at weighted scoring. And then he's 13th in strokes game total on easy to hit fairways plus short rough. So that's me trying to mimic this for this course where I took every compilation I could find of courses that had easy to hit fairways and no rough. I compiled all those stats together to figure out who would be the top players there. Duffy grading 13th for me really propelled them up my sheet. So uh, I think at $8,000, there's going to be a lot of people out there that may believe that the price is too high. I think it keeps the ownership a little bit lower for that reason, but I kind of view it as a spot right now where he's legitimately priced where he should be. And regardless of what I think the upside is, there's the top 20 value at the end of the day. Yeah, if I had my own team, Duffy would have been my first pick. No joke. Yeah, like, assuming I'm in the same spot at the four spot, MJ Duffy at 8,000, I actually think is a good value. And I think he's so sneaky. The finishing positions have been so good. He's made seven cuts in a row, by the way. And he's been inside the top 30 in five of those seven. And those are fields that are much better than this one in large part. So I think MJ Duffy is super sneaky. I actually already put out a, um, a matchup. It's, it's kind of got a lot of juice. It was Duffy over Cameron Champ, and Duffy was a minus 142 favorite. I understand Cam Champ, this would be the course for him to be successful, but Duffy's got some distance too, by the way, and he's just the ball striking. It's just night and day versus Cameron Champ outside of the off-the-tee stuff, and Duffy can do it uh, better with the short game as well. 
Rob, before we get to your pick, any thoughts on MJ Duffy as maybe a sneaky guy in this tournament? Yeah, I just want him to think like this is an open qualifier. It kind of has the feel as one, right? I mean, that's his that's his bread and butter. That's where he made his name was in the open qualifiers. Uh, so uh, I, I love the idea. He's trending in nicely. Um, he has so much confidence or had so much confidence when he was forced to play in those to, to get some playing time. It didn't really pan out, but it got him to this level eventually. Um, so I want him to, in a sense, I would like to, for him to believe in himself a little bit more. He's the kind of guy we're expecting to contend in a field like this, on a course like this, at a time like this, especially with that trending. So it's a lot of boxes checked for that guy. Uh, yeah. I, I also just want to add briefly about Vincent Norman. You know, he's the perfect fit, not just because of the value in this particular format. That's ter that's terrific at 7,200. But a guy who's not a very good putter, uh, this is just the second year for the course. And as we're speaking, 66 of the guys in the field were here last year. That's a, you know, less than, that's less than half. So there's a lot of guys seeing it for the first time. And typically as we've laid out statistically, but just sort of, again, in a macro, uh, it takes some time to learn what these greens are all about. That favors the ball strikers. That's what he is at the end of the day, more than he is as a putter. So if he can get a little lucky for the putter at 7,200, going to look like a genius play. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, speaking of genius plays, Rob, you got Tony Finau, you got Bramlett, you got David Lipsky. Who's the next genius play from Rob Bolton? Well, the, the, the number five in my power rankings is still there. And, and again, I Ben Martin, who happens to be number five in the power rankings, is 8,600. And thinking of him in a matchup against Alex Smalley, who's 8,400, I love Ben Martin all day long. Uh, we missed Ben Martin, who might have been an outright overall to win Puerto Rico. And then he withdrew early from that event. He ended up playing Corrales at a T8. He's had a, he's a, in, basically in the same lane as a Joseph Bramlett, re, resurgent games, resurgent seasons, uh, finding all the confidence they need. Uh, Bramlett's uh, situations, we, as we documented, you know, it's more been about health. With Martin, it's, it's been more about belief, and he's both these guys are, are killing it. So I love the fact that they're going to be teammates on my squad this week. Yeah, I'm a big Ben Martin guy. Truly, truly am. I think this whole show has been. We've been on him quite a bit. Joel, before we get to your back-to-back -back picks, talk to me about Ben Martin. In your player pool, not in your player pool. And any comments on Ben Martin? Because I didn't ask you about MJ Duffy um, or, for that matter, uh, Bo Hostler either. Any of these guys that recently were drafted that you're really high on? Yeah, I'll start with MJ Duffy. He was the third guy in that 8K range I was contemplating with Shelton and Wallace. So, I'm with you guys. I will have him in my player pool for sure. And same with Ben Martin. I think in terms of a value, I wouldn't have been surprised if they had Ben Martin at 9.3 or 9.4 in this event. So, mm -hmm. you know, he's one of those guys that you can pair with Rom, right? And still, you know, yeah, not have to dive too far down. It's kind of get your second elite guy in that matching. So I think he was priced in a way that you can play him. Let's see where the ownership ends up, right? Like if he ends up being super high owned, then I might come off of him. But if you get if you can get um, Martin in the teens or, or better, then I think he's a great player. Can I say one thing before we move on? Or I'll mm -hmm. ask a question here. Does anybody want to give me, in a bet, Alex Smalley against Ben Martin? And I will take Alex Smalley. Even? Yes. Done. I, that can be offered to everybody here. If, Seconded. Like, <laughs> I mean, we'll figure out a number that makes sense. We'll keep it small. We can keep it fun here. But I mean, we can me with Alex Smalley versus all of you with Ben Martin. I, I, I think Alex Smalley is going to produce here. I, I like. 
I'll just say this. I have the proper price in this matchup closer to minus 150 for Smalley. That's just my math. It doesn't mean it's correct at the end of the day, but uh, that's that's my answer to this. So I will take Alex Smalley and uh, we'll go from there. So my, my only bet, hesitation. I'll, go ahead, Rob. No, I was just going to say, I'll bet you a FedEx Cup point. I'll Venmo to you if I lose. <laughs> It is interesting to note that Ben Martin missed the cut here last year. But again, I think Ben Martin right now is a much vastly different golfer than he was at this time last year. But what's interesting to me is that Alex Smalley finished sixth here last year. So while the missed cut doesn't concern me from Ben Martin because of his recent play, the Alex Smalley, like this does feel like maybe this is the like the one tournament in five or six that Alex Smalley actually pops. But Spencer, I'm on team Joel and and Rob Bolton on this one. I'm I'm willing to be on on the Ben Martin side because I've been on his side for for so long now. So I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm tagging in on that. One. You want to just go across the board? We'll call it something small. I'll bet each one of you separately, like ten or twenty bucks. Yes, that's that's what we'll end up doing. We can discuss it off air, but we we Perfect. can uh, we can have that bet and maybe on Twitter we can talk some trash to each other as uh, as, as Smalley misses the cut and Ben Martin top fives this thing uh joel you got two picks uh you just came off uh robbie shelton and matt wallace trying to you know get your price right off the john rom pick who's next so now i gotta level out here in the 7k range and find some value and i found two guys and people who watch the show you've heard me say this before in, in tournaments like this where they're kind of the watered down jv tournaments i think you get to a point around the lower 8k range mid to 8k range down where the mid to low 8K range to the mid to low 7K range, these guys have a very small gap between them, right? At the end of the day, they had to fill out this player pool. They had to give pricing. But, you know, this is not like the Masters where, you're, you know, the difference is Colin Morikawa and, you know, Wyndham Clark, right? Now we're talking about guys who are all tour players that are all you know, getting similar finishes. So I like the the – the fact that I have Rom and now I can kind of settle in on some of these guys that, that I, are playing well. And with my first pick, it's going to be Michael Kim. Mm-hmm. Michael Kim has ball shaking. He's been good where he's been struggling lately is a little bit off the tee. Um, if he can, you know, find some fairways, these are wide fairways. So that should help him a bit here. If you also look since March in the two like tropical courses, he's played, which, you know, a bit similar to this one. Um, he's had a 26 and a fifth. So it's another tropical course. It should suit him well. I think he does have some upside here to put in this lineup. And I'm also going to take Dylan Wu. Uh, Dylan Wu is a guy who over since March, even before that, we can even say since February, has been playing fantastic. He hasn't missed a cut. He's made six straight cuts. Within that, he's got um, two top 20s. And he's got some really strong finishes. The ball striking him, he's gaining on approach at every tournament since February except for one. So, again, this is another spot that I think going down to a guy below 7,500, I think he does have some upside. All right, real quick. So, Rob, it's going to be your pick. I have a question before your pick. But my my first question is actually going to go to Spencer. I think Michael Kim is a really interesting pick. He's not in my player pool. Maybe I'll reconsider. But Dylan Wu has been in my player pool for the last couple of months. I actually really like Dylan Wu. But Spencer, I wanted to ask you, Michael Kim, Dylan Wu, how, how are you feeling about either of those guys? I, I don't think either one will be in my player pool. I'm kind of indifferent on Dylan Wu. Um, I think the price is fine for what you get out of him. I've always said that Michael Kim doesn't necessarily grade well in a model when you run data for him. And he's still a golfer that seems to produce regardless of that. So 
I've kind of ignored some of that math that comes into play. I'm not going to play him necessarily, but I wouldn't say that where he is in my model is the true indication of where he should be at the end of the day there. So um, I'm indifferent. There's other players in that range that I'd rather play, but you know, it's, it's one of those things, as you guys know, you kind of have to pick and choose your spots. You can't play everybody. Absolutely. Okay. Rob, my question before your next pick, before your, your fifth, second to last pick mm-hmm. in the PGA DraftCast for the Mexico Open, uh, we, we got to get to know you a little bit. You're kind of like an international or maybe national man of mystery at this point to most of the audience. Okay. Top three movies, your top three movies, not the top three movies of all time. But oh. if, if, I, if somebody were to ask you, like me right now, what, what are the top three movies that whether they impacted you, you thought they were hilarious or they were amazing yeah. movies, whatever it is, top three that come to mind. I should have uh, I should have briefed you because as people who know me really well know that although part of my experience in going to college was as a film major, I actually don't see movies. Uh, so uh, it's a very limited uh, sample size uh, for answers. But my favorite That's movie fun. of all time is is The Sting with all Paul right. Newman and Robert Redford. Um, uh, it's it's the one that if if it happens to be on something that I'm you know. My, my direct TV that I'll stop everything I'm doing and watch the whole thing again. Uh, and at that point, being a big baseball fan, I can't get away from movies like Field of Dreams mm-hmm. and The Natural. So I'm, you know, pretty much in the middle, middle of the fairway there when it comes to movies. Um, uh, there are others that, uh, you know, films that that have have been interesting to me, but but in terms of 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 the other movies that uh, most people have seen, those would be the three. All right. I like a couple that. of Redford I, movies, and I just realized, yeah, yeah, those are. Great. I love Robert Redford, so that that's that's easy. Anything, pretty much, he's done. I love it. All right, speaking in the middle of the fairway, who you got for your next pick? You're trying to throw me off here, aren't you? I got you. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Strategy. Uh, yeah. Um, so we all know Pat Perez for a lot of different reasons. Uh, one of which, when we're coming to building a lineup, is the fact that he was the Prince of Pespel. Everybody is familiar with that. Uh, one of the burgeoning or emerging uh, princes of pastel is uh, Andrew Novak. Um, he he's had a tr- he's a second year tour player. Uh, Was he sixty eight hundred or something? Here I saw him here a minute ago. Seventy three. Thank you. Seventy three. I had him added. Okay, so seventy three hundred. Uh, it's basically just his comfort level on pastel. Uh, he's he's played very well on it. He's actually had a nice season. He hasn't really registered strongly on Pespel in this season as, as much as he did last season. Uh, so at this point of the draft, because I wanted to open up the board for my last pick and still have a little bit of a punch there at five, uh, I'm leaning on him on these greens specifically. Yeah, Novak's interesting. I know somebody in the audience brought up uh, Andrew Novak as well. Ninth at the Valero, 46th at Corrales, 27th at Valspar, and 29th at Honda. And woven in between those is a miscut at the players, which, I mean, that's okay. And then he missed the cut last week with his partner at the Zurich Classic. I mean, that that's, I mean, just looking at the finishing positions, you'd think that would be a guy that would be like 7,800 or 8,000 or at least something close to that. So it yeah, seems For to the be... record, one of my philosophies is, you know, negative results in big tournaments, majors, the, the or, or unusual tournaments like the match play not playing well, just because of the dynamics, the vagaries, if you will, in those yeah. events. Also, uh, New Orleans, I tend to ignore uh, these things tend to go sideways more often 
that that he's been playing that well, well enough at least for that value right now at five in this draft on his own ball. Uh, I'll take that. Yeah, and if you can find value in that low 7K range, it's going to go a long way. By the way, fifth, you might have mentioned this, but 15th here last year in the inaugural mm-hmm. uh, PGA Tour Mexico Open. Spencer, it's on you. You grabbed MJ Duffy. I absolutely love that pick. Who's next? I want to say one thing very quickly about Andrew Novak, and then I will give mm-hmm. the pick. Um, you're going to have to shop around to find the number. I think Andrew Novak over Grayson Sig in a head-to-head matchup at plus 110 is really intriguing value. I've seen that started at 110 both ways. It's moved 20 points in the favor of Sig. I cannot say I agree with that necessarily. I think Novak should be the favorite. He's kind of in that Duffy range for me of a golfer that's underpriced from where he should be. So really like the Novak pick. Uh, You know, guys, like this is getting just so volatile with this lineup. I'm going to take Luke List at 7,800. Wow. I, I feel like I explain this every single week for why I take them. So I won't go into an in-depth reasoning behind this. Well, it's funny because we actually had somebody in the chat just talk about uh, it, they, Dave says it's random Luke list week, uh, to be honest, is what he said. Yeah. And five seconds later, you drafted uh, Luke list. This is this would be the time to do it. I think I think this is like the Luke list course. Joel, let me kick it to you. I mean, listen, team no putt. We, we only have a year of experience here, but we have slower greens. And Rob, I want to get I, I want to go to Joel and then to you, Rob. The question I want to ask to you, Rob, is is the slower greens, there's, they seem to be a little easier to read, maybe a little less break, they're flatter. So, Rob, let me start with you there. Does it seem like a course for, like, Team No Putt, potentially? Yeah, uh, it really is. A ter- again, until maybe three full spins of this are in the books, it's going to continue to tilt that way. Um yeah, I, I, again, I think everything we've we've talked about. I don't really disagree with anything in terms of the general messaging, uh, but but in a year or two, that that'll change, you know. So at this point, continue to lean into it. Yes. Yeah, and Joel, Luke List, in or out? I'm in on Luke List for a lot of the reasons you said. I think you know he. There is a world where this ball checking can you know really pass the field and can be elite. And if he can just be neutral on, on the putting green, like we said, it's different. It's unique. And we don't have those elite putters that we have in most tournaments here. Um, I think there's a week he can compete. All right. We have one of our picks in from the audience. And I actually really like this pick. I think it's a really smart. There's there's like three guys in the 6K range that I think I'd be willing to play. And one of them was selected by the audience. It's Martin Trainer. So let's put Martin Trainer in and just find out how much money we have left. Is that does that say 7,600? Let me so, put, let me put it in. Um 8,400. 8,400. So we have 8,400 to mess around with. And we've got some nominations coming in, which I assume are kind of under that 8,400 price range, which SH Kim is. That was one of the nominations. But so we still need to ratify somebody that's 8,400 or less. Um, but I, I think the Martin Trainer pick is, is pretty interesting. I mean, David kind of set it out. He's been playing really well ninth last week, 11th here last year, says David. Punta Cana, 22nd and seventh, and he won Puerto Rico. Uh, seems like a guy that we're, we're, I, I feel like the fact that his name is Martin Trainer is kind of being held against him here. I think if his name was just some something random, he'd probably be in that 7K range. So I think Martin Trainer is a, a really smart pick. Um, it looks like SH Kim is going to be the next guy um, because Dave has said Higo or Kim, and David has nominated SH Kim. So I'll go ahead and ratify SH Kim as well. 
Um, Rob, I want to kick it to you before we get to Spencer's pick. Any thoughts on SH Kim specifically? Because I just I feel like he's a guy that's getting a little overlooked tournament determined as well. And he's been pretty good, right? Yeah, consistent is good for you, especially at this time of the draft, right? That's the uh, uh, that's the objective, or one of them at least. Uh, consistent, uh, somewhat reliable. Uh, the fact that he's still a bit of an unknown, um, and, and again, in a field like this, his talent should play up a little bit. So, just on value alone, relative to others, uh, that's a really nice last round pick. If I may, for a moment, I love Martin Trainer in the sense of the form and the and the surge. He's always profiled as a guy who shows up once or twice a year. This is this goes back a number of years now. Uh, and then and then you don't hear from him again. So you gotta you gotta jump on it. But he's more than likely have already exhausted that form. Uh, even though he's one of my sleepers this week, he is the last sleeper uh, in this field. It's tough to find sleepers. You could just say the field uh, and not be wrong. Um, and so uh, uh, that that as well makes sense for this format. But uh, I think there are other better picks in that position. Um, but the Kim pick is strong. All right. Spencer, it is on you. Your final pick. Who's it going to be? I'm going to go with Will Gordon at 7,900. This is this is a very all over the place lineup. And I don't mind going this route since I missed out on Raman Finau, but you know, like if you look at what I've done, at least with the strategy that I've tried to employ here, it's a lot of quality weighted T to green players. Like every single one of these guys in one way or another, when I ran the numbers, they're inside the top 15 of that category for me. So I'm just hoping that we get something out of the putter from each one of them. Um, you know, I, that's remains to be seen if it's going to happen, but Gordon's 14th in weighted scoring He's inside the top 20 for that distance plus long irons. And then he is seventh from weighted tee to green. So I, I think it's a volatile pick. I think all these picks kind of became volatile, but like, it's not going to shock me if all of a sudden a lot of these names are inside the top 20 here and I can find a way to compete without Raman Finau. Yeah. Will Gordon, I think is going to be a somewhat popular pick, at least for he that range. Be. And I, I think it's for good reason. So I, mean, I think that's I actually, I really like, the way you formulated your team here. I think it's a really, really good team. Obviously it's going to take Rom to, to stumble a little bit, but um, speaking of stumbling, Rob, you haven't stumbled yet, but you have one pick left. <laughs> so there's still time. What's your final pick on the PGA Draftcast? Yeah. So first of all, I love the combination of Smalley and Gordon in terms of what you want to accomplish with that Spencer, because I think Gordon is undervalued, especially in a week like this where ball striking plays up so well. So um, nicely done there. Uh, you know, Again, I, there's a bit of a theme with with my players on um, on this surface. Uh, you remember, Bud Martin came close to Corrales last year as well. Um, the, the miscut here last year, he was in a different place. Doesn't worry me, even though we covered that a minute ago. Uh, so I'm going to stick with uh, stick with the theme a little bit on a guy who we all know, Nate Lashley. Uh, again, fits the fits the profile. Another one of my sleepers, which is not how I expected this team to to shake out tonight. But I ain't complaining. Uh, sitting there at 7,700, again, undervalued in my opinion, based on the fact that uh, um, he's just so strong. He's just so confident with his irons. And he's out of a certain age where the wind and everything, all of the other distractions of the week aren't going to bug him. Uh, recent podium finish uh, on Paspalum, tr tremendous uh, uh, results on Paspalum again a year ago. Uh, so uh, it all adds up to a sensible last round pick for me. 
I love that pick. That's one of my favorite picks of the draft. I'm not a Nate Lashley guy, but I, I, I looked mm. into him today and looked at his recent form in particular. I was pleasantly surprised. I was actually about to target him in a matchup, but then I was like, well, let me, let me look this up first. And I was like, nope, cannot, cannot fade him in a matchup. He is, um, I think that's a super smart play. Really, really like it. Uh, Joel, first, let me ask you, Will Gordon or Nate Lashley or S.H. Kim? Any of those guys in your player pool and then give us your last pick. Yeah, I think I like I like all three. Um, I think I like Lashley and Gordon the most of the three. Um, as, as you can afford them, they're not the top of my tier. They're probably the bottom of my player pool, but they will be in my pool. All right. Now, I will say the guy I'm going to take last, I considered taking second after Rom. Um, I had a feeling no one else would take him, so I thought it was a good strategy to just wait until the last pick because I thought he'd be left. Um, I love the way he's playing. Since February, he's been playing great golf. I'm going to take Kevin Chappelle. Um, He's been gaining strokes on approach in each of his last five tournaments. In the two that you don't get really strokes gained data, he got a a 15 and a 16. And they're both, again, tropical courses. There could be a lot of similarities there. Um, He's made the cut since the Honda and every tournament he's played in. I just think he's playing really good golf and he's getting overlooked in a field where, you know, it's a weaker field, so I think this is a really good spot for him to, to show up. And like I said, if, if a team that I'm rolling out, Rom, I don't need him to go out and win the tournament. If he can get me back in that top 25, 20, which I think he can do this week, I love the value, and he's very, very low. Um, okay, so first of all, I think that's probably a pretty smart pick. Second of all, he doesn't do sketch comedy, so it's actually Kevin Chappell, not Kevin Chappelle. <laughs> Rob, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I'm pretty sure it's Kevin No, you're Chappell, right. right. You're on it, right. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Spencer, I want to ask you, though, because Kevin Chappell's a pretty random name, but but I don't hate it. Uh, it d- does he rate out well at all in your model? He does. I, I think if you look at what Chappell was before injuries, he's a name that was kind of on that trajectory to where if you would have said Kevin Chappell was in this tournament five years ago, he's probably a golfer that's pushing in the $9,000 range rather than what you're getting here at 7100 And if he has found something and if he's healthy now and the numbers look like they're improving, I think he's a very savvy play down in this range. All right. Did you see, by the way, how Spencer bold-faced and emphasized Chapel each of the two times he said it? That was shots fired at Joel. Very subtle, but we all saw it and we all I mean, I, I didn't correct them like you did, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I'm happy to admit – when I'm wrong, I will say I didn't. I did actually was. I don't know. It's bizarre that you called me out on it because I actually took the time to look up how to pronounce his name before I said it. And if you look at how it says you should pronounce it, when I googled it, it says S H U H is how you should pronounce it. Just from Google, I could be wrong still, but that's how it said when I googled it. Here's 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 what you got to do. You got to go to YouTube and you actually got to type his name in YouTube because then you'll get a call. You'll get an announcer actually say his name on one of the shots. Little tip there for you. Um, all right. So, so Rob, that, that, that's the draft cast. So we're, we're going to close the show with, with just some first round leaders, which you may or may not have, but, um, how do you feel about your team though? Uh, first of all, it is chapel. I, I am looking at the, at the PGA tours media guide. They actually have a pronunciation right there next to his name, uh, as chap pole with the emphasis on chap. So there's your Google machine for you. Um, yeah, I love the team. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't, I've been playing fantasy golf for 30 years, and uh, and I was thinking today um, with with David's 
massive patience with me over the last several weeks trying to connect a good time and thinking about how it would go and how I'm open to all sorts of new experiences. And I've never done, I've, I've written about it. I used to, for the last two years at Sandbox, uh, had the uh, full season uh, salaries. I, I was the guy who determined them. Um, and, and then, and then Sandbox went away. And so I already had, this goes back with 12 years, whatever now, but, um, and so I already was, was playing with values and, and listening to the audience and, and understanding what mattered. And obviously with the more we learned about the data, all of that infusing into, into the opinion and analysis and, and, and the insight. Um, and so this is different. I've, I don't play DFS. I, I, I advise on it. I actually have advised if you play DFS, this is not a good week for that, but in a, in a field like next week, potentially for Wells Fargo, start at the bottom, cover the values, and just pick six guys you like. Start there. That's your brainstorm with yourself. And then see what the values are, and then and then form a team from there. You're probably going to be pleasantly surprised, and your own confidence in terms of how you're going to build your team will rise as a result of it. And you're going to learn something from it, and you'll take that forward. And who knows, maybe you'll actually win some money. Obviously, that's the objective. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, starting at the top down with with Finau was a little bit counterintuitive with the way I advise. But then we got into the fun of it. And, and listening to you guys talk about all of the other players that most guys aren't going to recognize walking down the street or in a crowd of two, and to have that conversation with you guys and, and your experience and, and your acumen and what you know about, about these players specifically – was a lot of fun and uh, a time extremely well spent. And uh, I learned a lot from it. And I know I'll, I'll have thoughts about it after we're done today that I'll take forward with me because you are expressing and conveying messages you've received from the audience and our little community, if you will, in terms of what we enjoy doing, even if we don't win. Uh, so that's my takeaway globally and sort of, uh, you know, in a micro sense with, with, the, with the roster. Uh, I made picks at the time I made the picks. I love the decision. That's all you can go with, right? But we'll find out on Saturday, on Friday night when when they're when they're zero for six, uh, and I've lost my bet with uh, with uh, Ben Martin up against uh, Alex Smalley. So be it. I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll own it. Um, but but guys, I mean it's it's just a blast to be able to do that. I've never done it before, uh, and so thank you. Yeah. No problem. It was a fun setup, Joel. Let's do our first round leaders real quick and and, and close it. We'll get Rob out of here. Oh, you're on mute. Apologies. Let's dive in. Spence, we'll start with you. Who are you looking at in the first round leader market? I have two this week. Alex Smalley, 60 to 1. And then Wyndham Clark, 33 to 1. I like it. I like it. All right, Rob. Do you have any first round leader plays for us this week? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot to see it for a second, if you don't mind. I gotta look at the board first. Before I actually yeah. give you a, a, some sort of an intelligent answer, <laughs> well, listen, it's 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 first round leaders. We don't require intelligent answers necessarily. <laughs> um, but I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead. Oh, yeah. Joel, you want to give out your? I can go next. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. go next. No problem. So uh, my first play, I'm going to go with at sixty to one, Garrick Higo. Um, I'm going to go with Ben Martin. Topic of discussion this week at fifty five to one. I'm not sure if I said Higo was sixty to one. Um, I like Steven Yeager at 50 to one. And my last play is none other than John Rom. Hey, and by the way, Jack Fisher in the chat 
you mentioned I back Carson Young for a top 20 at seven to one. So I don't know about the top 20 play, although seven to one seems pretty fair. Um, I actually had him as like a super long shot first round leader play on another show, but that was one of the three guys in the 6K range I actually liked. It was Carson Young, it was Martin Trainer, and it was Michael Gligic. So again, it's the 6K range. It's probably not going to work out super well, but those are the three guys that I'm likely backing. So appreciate your comment on Carson Young because it was somebody I had in mind as well. I'll go next on the first round leaders. Let's go Patrick Rogers at plus 4,000. Uh, Bo Hostler at plus 4,500. Steven Yeager at plus 5,000. We're going to go Grillo at plus 5,000. And I'll give one long shot out. I mentioned Carson Young, but the long shot is actually Nate Lashley at 90 to 1, plus 9,000. But of those guys, the guy that is definitely going to be your first round leader, and Rob, you can take this to the bank because it's so obvious. We know, of course, who's going to be the first round leader. It's the lock of the year. It's Patrick Rogers at 40 to 1, everybody. Easy button. It's obvious. Invest all the money you've ever, ever earned into the first round leader market because that's what you're supposed to do with um, non-gimmicky bets like that. Uh, Rob, it's on you. Pressure's on. I don't know when anybody is teeing off. I don't know the odds, but Alex Smalley. How's that? All right. Alex Smalley, <laughs> the reversal. See, I, I got yeah. Good. I'm gonna hedge. Gonna hedge. The hedge. That's a good. That's a good hedge. It's smart. So Thank I you. Did that. Thank you. Okay. I can root well, for Rob, too. And Ben Martin. Big, big, big thank you for coming on and joining us tonight. Your knowledge, your takes on the players was invaluable. Loved drafting with you this week. It's too Thanks. bad you're going to lose to my team, but otherwise you drafted a great <laughs> roster. Uh, we're going to post the lineups on Twitter. Everyone else who followed along, let us know what team you like the most, who you think is going to win. We'll track it. We'll report by next, next week on who the winner was. That's a wrap for tonight. See, what I forget? Well, you forget to forgot to mention uh, that, you know, if you're not already following Rob, you don't even need to mention that. Everybody's following Rob, but definitely follow his content because, Rob, I hate to say it, but I think some some people follow you and they know you as the guy that that is, hey, this guy's in, this guy's out. But the, the truth is you have so much more content that I think people definitely need to be made aware of because it's great content. You heard it here first on this show, like some of the power rankings and things of that nature. So, Rob, we really appreciate you being on the show. Um, Thanks, I mean, this is just, is honestly an honor. Uh, I know that sounds like we're just kind of, we're just kind of like throwing stuff at you, but, but it, it truly is an honor for all three of us to have you on the show. Really appreciate you. And the last thing we end every show the following way, Rob, and it is sports. <laughs>